say a prayer and we shall begin today's message. I'm praying that God will be with us as we go. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you've been so good to us. You've been so kind. You've been so, so loving. And that in the midst of everything that's going on, dear Lord, in the midst of the changes that are taking place on the planet, the uncertainty that's going on around us, in the midst of just the unsureness of the various things that are happening almost like to us and there's nothing we can do about them. We're so thankful that we've built our lives and our why for our lives on something that is certain. And namely, dear Lord, that's on you. As we go from this foundation, help us to live each day knowing full well that you've got our best interests at heart. As we go into today's sermon, I'm praying that you'll give us attentive ears, that you'll speak to us, that you'll speak to me, and that you'll transform our lives. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As most of us will know, COVID-19 has been a life changer for the majority of us. And probably the biggest impact of the virus that's had on me has only been really in the past two, three months, two, three months. So I was redeployed or they asked me to help working on the critical care unit where there's COVID, well, there's patients who have been infected with COVID-19, but they're, they're in a bad way. Many of them um, sedated, unconscious, they're being mechanically, they're being ventilated. Um, so they're on a ventilator, so they're not breathing for themselves. It's, that's, ha that's happening mechanically for them. Um, they're unaware of what's happening to them. And, and our critical care unit recently, we were asked a few weeks ago to increase the capacity by 200%. So just seeing the scene working up there has, I don't know, it's just kind of changed my view on, on a number of things. And I've seen some things that I probably thought I would never see. They've cancelled emergency surgery. No, sorry, they've cancelled routine surgery and it's only emergency surgery um, because they didn't have enough nursing staff to man the wards that are, have, are just full of COVID patients. They've had to redeploy consultant doctors. So you've got, you've got surgeons um, currently working as nurses um, just to help with the capacity of, of what's going on. Um, something happened a couple of weeks ago and one of the patients was, was really quite young and the doctor was doing all they could, the doctor, the medical team were doing all they could to try and save this person's life. And um, when the person passed away, it was just a, a weird one. Consultant broke down crying on the ward. You're seeing people kind of come towards the edges of what they're able to handle. 
someone said, you know, I've seen nurses who have never seen cry, never seen show this particular level of emotion for the past 20 years, break down crying. Things got to a stage where like if someone makes it off, if someone made it off, the, the whole ward would stop, clap and be cheering as the patient makes it off. I mean, wow. Um, and just seeing so much people just really ill, seeing so much death, um, it kind of has an impact on you and it kind of just makes you reevaluate things. And it kind of just puts a lot of things into perspective that weren't necessarily in perspective before. And kind of just helps to shape the way you're seeing the things around you. Like what really matters. And I'm reminded of Job. Reminded of Job. If you've got your Bibles, come with me to Job chapter one. And interesting case study or scenario you see. Sorry, it's taking me a long time to get the next four. Job chapter one, reading from verse. Um, reading from verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only and escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans made up three bands and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Everything that Job had, Job's reality, everything that Job knew, everything that Job was used to, everything that Job owned, everything that Job had ever worked for, everything that Job um, up to this life materially had probably enjoyed, the things that he identified with, the things that he'd helped to create, the, the, his lifelong plans, his pension, was all taken in the moment of five minutes. And it's just interesting to see how Job responds to the circumstances which are 
extrinsic. They're, they're not something that's happened because he's done something. They're just happening because it's in, I don't know, they're happening to him. And it's just interesting to see how he responds. Verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. There's no praise team. There's no band. There's no music. There's no keyboardist. There's no Zoom service. There's no... None of the stuff that usually, when you think about worship um, in a church setting at least, none of, that, none of those things are there. We've just had a fantastic meditation by Kimberly, but none of that was going on. None of that was going on. All Job had was his problems. And from the space of his problems, from having seen the things that have just happened to him, from having heard what he's just heard, the reaction of Job is one of worship, worship. And then the text says in verse 22, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Um, to sin not, we know that sin is the transgression of the law. That means in all this, Job continued in his obedience to God. Job worshiped and he obeyed. In the last days of earth's history, there's two things that the Christian is going to be tested on. There's two great um, issues that the believer in Jesus Christ is going to have to come face to face with. And it's these two things here. Who am I worshiping and who am I obeying? Worship and obedience. In Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus comes with this prophecy and he's foretelling the future. And as he tells us the future in verse four of Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. That word deceive or deception comes up so much in Matthew chapter 24. It's like Jesus is trying to say, don't get hoodwinked. Don't get sidetracked. Don't be fooled. Don't think, there's going to be a lot of fake news going around. There's going to be a lot of different narratives taking place um, concerning what's happening. But don't be deceived. These are some of the things that are going to happen. And verse 5 says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines and pestilences earthquakes in diverse places all these are the beginning of sorrows what jesus says here is that the things that we're seeing around us are going to heat up the temperature's not all the way up yet things are going to heat up 
One thing he taught to a temperature like Job experienced them. How does one respond with an attitude of worship? I feel like many times as Christian young people, we're caught up in the how of worship. The how. But I feel like there's a more um, foundational question that the Christian young person needs to get rooted, lodged in their mind so that when we begin to experience these things, we're not building our foundation on a how, we've built our foundation on a why. In fact, deeper than that, we've built our foundation on a who. Why is so much more important or, 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 or let, me, let me phrase that differently. Why comes before how? Comes before how? Why am I going to university? Must come before how am I going to get there? Like if you've got a good why, your why will then define how you go about things. So, 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 why am I entering into this relationship will impact how I conduct myself in the relationship. Why, as a general rule of thumb, comes before how? And your worship why needs to be down-packed as we go through this time of Earth's history. Everything that will be tested, will be tested. Everything that can be tested, sorry, will be tested. And so simultaneously to this, Jesus is saying there's gonna see changes in the climate. There's gonna be changes in the political realm. There's gonna be changes in the religious realm. And as things begin to heat up, simultaneously to these things taking place, um, Jesus also lets us know in the book of Revelation that there's gonna be these messages going out at the same time as these things are taking place. So earthquakes in different places, um, things going on 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 the planet, pestilences, COVID-19s, all of these different things are going to be going on. And simultaneously to this, at the same time as this, adjacent to this, there's going to be a people sharing a particular message, speaking to the times. We find these messages in Revelation 14. I'm hoping that you guys are with me. This is what I've said so far. This is what I've said so far. I've said... Um, but things on the planet are going to heat up. Jesus lets us know that. I've said that Job, when he responded to his crucible experience, to the time when his life um, was going through a situation or a scenario where things heated up for him, his response was the one of worship and obedience. I'm saying that the people of God in the last days will have to respond by having a by making a choice about who they're worshiping and who they're going to obey. And I've said that Matthew chapter 24 lets us know that things are going to heat up. Simultaneous to the heating up, there's some messages that need to go to the world and we find them in Revelation chapter 14. 
And I'm just going to look at the first one because we're looking today in our sermon at the worship why. The worship why. The worship why. Reading from verse 6 of Revelation chapter 14. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. There's a call from scripture that's to go to the whole world in the midst of everything that's going on. And the call from scripture in the midst of everything that's taking place on the planet is to worship the creator. To worship the creator. Now, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. Something that I was trying to wrap my mind around, something that I've, I've thought about and I've been thinking about is why worship God because he's creator? Like, what is it about God being creator that makes him worthy of worship? How do the two link up? How do the two link up? Because, you know, when you, when you, deep, when you look at Revelation 4, I know I'm doing a lot of flicking today. I look at my usual Bible. This thing's big to thick, big to flick. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So I'm just trying to think, I'm just trying to go through in this sermon as we explore the worship why, so that when and life around us doesn't seem to make sense, I can rely on my why. I want to explore with us three reasons in the remainder of our time why God is worthy to be worshipped because he's creator. Um, and I want to tell you the reasons up front and then we'll explore them. Um, reason number one is that the creator caused. Reason number two is that the creator cares. And reason number three is that the creator can. That when I'm going through my situation, when I'm going through whatever I'm going through, one of the things that Revelation 14 verses six and seven is saying is that, I don't know what you're going through, but something that you need to remember is to remember to worship the creator. And the Bible lets us know that the reasons why we can worship the creator or why he's worthy to be worshipped is because the creator caused, the creator cares, and the creator can. Now I'm looking at the time, and I don't know if we're going to get through the whole of this, but we'll see how far we go. Number one, number one, the creator caused. If you've got your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter three, and we're going to look at verses one through to four. We're looking at point one, the creator caused. Hebrews chapter three, verses one through to four. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Verse two, who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. 
For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Here, Paul, the author of Hebrews, uses a kind of logic. This is what he says. Verse 2, who was faithful to him that appointed him as Moses was faithful in all his house. Verse 3, for this man, talking about Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who has built the house, listen to that, hath more honor than the house. He who hath Build the house hath more honor than the house. We're looking at the creator caused. Verse 4. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Okay, so just picture with me, picture with me. You had the opportunity to work with the UK's best architect. Imagine that. And they were going to design you a house for free and get it built for free. What kind of things would you put in this house? Um, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking. Maybe um, you'd have a jacuzzi in there. Maybe you'd have a swimming pool in there. Maybe, maybe some of you have got those things already. I haven't. Or maybe you'd have your gym in there. Um, maybe, maybe there'd be a button. Ah, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Maybe there'll be a button, a button that you'd press right by your bedside so that when you get up it it's done i don't know it sends a message to your kitchen puts the kettle on um sorts out breakfast there's some machinery that just sorts out breakfast takes his slippers from underneath the house and runs a warm bath so that when every by the time you get to each room the things that you have in the room they're done already the architect designs that into the house imagine that you're working with this architect and, 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 and they've designed all these things and if you get to show, you get to show your friend around the house and as you're showing your friend around the house and, and the friend, your friend turns to you and says, who thought of that idea? And, 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 and who designed that in? And, and you're showing them the different features and then the friend's really thankful for the house or the friend is, is appreciating the house, but, but, but who gets more appreciation? The house, or who's deserving of more appreciation? The house, or the mind behind the house? The mind behind the house. Like Naomi asked me a question about potluck. And I've said I was missing Sister Margaret's roti from Trinidad. But I've never turned to the roti that Sister Margaret was eating and said, thank you, roti, for being such good roti. What I've done is, if there's any thanks, I've given it to Sister Margaret because she's the cause of the roti. The cause is always of more worth than the caused. The caused. 
Like, if any praise, if any thanks goes anywhere, the cause is deserving of more thanks than the cause. Many times, it's been my experience as a young person, sometimes I feel like as we live our Christian experience and we live our Christian life, we can get caught up in that which is being created. And sometimes we can even leave our worship service and we just leave with our mind fixed on that which has been created and our mind never having been lifted to the creator. What God is saying, I believe, is that the thing that is the cause is always of more worthy, of more glory and more honor than that which is the caused. And so our text says in Hebrews chapter 3, but every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. God is worthy of worship because the creator caused. The creator caused. Sometimes we value the gifts of God more than the giver himself. But God's saying, I'm giving you gifts because I love you and that because I want you to reciprocate that love to me. Um, come, come to me. Come to me as the creator, as the creator, as the cause. Direct your worship to the cause, not the thing that have been caused. Take your mind off the created and lift it to the creator. So the first point in our worship why is that the creator caused. Our second point is that the creator cares. The creator cares. See, it's one thing for a parent to procreate, procreate. But if you check the stats, if you go on Google right now, you're gonna see that there's many babies all around the world as we speak on this Sabbath morning, who after they're born, they're left in the, they're left in the, they're left in the dumpster. They're left on somebody's doorstep. They're left on, they're left on wherever. It's one thing to, pro to procreate. It's another thing to care about, speak to any single parent. It's another thing to care about that which you procreated. God didn't just cause, the Bible says. The Bible lets us know that God cares about his creation. Psalms 8, verses 3 and 4. If you've got your Bible, Psalms 8, verses 3 and 4. David is taking time to think about God's creation. He's deepening it. He's deeping it. He's thinking about God's creation. And he's wrapped up in just looking at the stars and everything that God has created. In verse 3, he says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, verse 4 says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? David here, in all of the fact that the creator cares, points to the fact that when I look at the vastness of God's creation and the fact that earth is just simply a speck in the vast creation that God has created, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The fact that God cares denotes um, or puts David in a space where he feels like he needs to worship. To my initial point, 
Isaiah 49 verse 15, can a woman forget her sucking child? Many do. That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not, yet will I not forget thee. Um, verse 16, behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. God says, um, I've graven you upon the palms of my hands. If it looks like nobody in your life cares, if it looks like your situation and your life is not important to anybody else, God says, if it matters to you, it matters to me because I care. If it matters to you, it matters to God. That's because God caused. He has a plan for you. Ellen White says you were brought into existence because you're needed. You've got a why. <laughs> we're looking at the worship why, but you've got a why. You were brought into existence because you're needed. God caused. He formed you in the womb. And he knew you before you were even born. And he brought you into existence. He has a purpose for you. And even when you feel like your whole life has been messed up, God still has a purpose for you on the cross. The thief of the cross is coming to the last final minutes of his life. And in those last final minutes of his life, um, he turns to Jesus and says, remember me. Even in those last five minutes of his life, God still had a purpose for him. God has a purpose for you because he created you. And not only does he have a purpose for you, not only does he have a wife for you, but he also cares for you specifically. Cares for you specifically. Got a question for you that I've asked many people, but I'll ask it here, even though I know you can't hear me. Does a newborn baby fresh out the womb, 30 seconds born, does the newborn baby love their parents? Let me ask the question a different way. I'm talking about a newborn baby. Fresh, fresh, 30 seconds born. Does a newborn baby love their parents? Let me ask the question a different way. If mom had a headache, would the newborn baby care? If dad came in and um, he tripped, bucked his toe and was in pain, would the newborn baby be interested? Let's make it more dramatic. If dad came in, collapsed in the, in the delivery room, is the newborn baby bothered? What's the newborn baby interested in? Food, sleep, and a nappy change. This is love. Not that the newborn baby loved the parents, but that the parents loved the baby. Even when the baby wasn't aware, sometimes toddlers are doing things that it just seems as though they're trying to destroy themselves. And so the parents, um, puts in these barriers and puts in these restrictions to try and help the toddler have the space to grow, even when the toddler's not aware that these things are for the toddler's good. First John 4 and 10 says, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Even when we went away, the creator still cared. Even when we were actively going against him, the creator still cared. Even when we were actively going against ourselves, the creator still cared. And he still 
caused because he has a purpose for you. And not only does he have a purpose for you, he loves you. The creator caused. The creator cares. And point three is, is that the creator can. It's one thing to cause. It's another thing to care. It's another thing to be able to do something about in the person's life that you're caring about. Sometimes people have a situation. Sometimes people have a struggle. Sometimes people have something that's going on in their lives and you want to be able to do something and you're not sure how to do it. But today I'm letting you know that God can. God can. God can. God can. Um, through the pandemic. Through the pandemic. Um, got some friends struggling for work. God came through. God can. With some friends, um, I remember um, Craig and I, um, situation was, was dire. Situation was dire. Um, got called to the hospital. Anointed this lady. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Anointed this lady on the critical care work, on the critical care unit where I'm currently working. Anointed her with oil, prayed for her. God healed her. God can. I will never um, forget my university experience. My university experience. Just before going to university, my grades weren't great. Grades weren't great. And um, I asked the, my teacher, can I, can I, can I turn things around? Um, can I retake some exams? My teacher didn't think I had the capacity to be able to do it. Um, I'm talking about the, the, just the mental capacity, the intelligence to be able to do it. And so I knew that I was going to have to get straight A's in these last exams, if I, in these last few exams, if I'm going to make it to uni. Prayed about it, did my best. Got the A's, went back to my teacher, asked my teacher, um, oh, you didn't think I was going to get those A's, did you? My teacher said no, um, but God can. I'm in university and I'm just trying to make it through, just trying to make it through, just trying to make it through. And um, I come towards the end of university and really, you know, people are aiming high. I'm just trying to get through, if that makes sense. And you should aim high, but I'm just trying to make it through because I just know, I just know me. And um, as I'm trying to make it through, this is a story that I love to share. We've come towards the end of university and the lecturer turns and says, um, turns to us and says, some of you are gonna get called in for an emergency exam if you score between a great boundary, like if you score between a two, two and a two, one or between a two, one and a first. Now, in my mind, my mindset is simply this, just let me pass. If I can pass to God be the glory and we'll call it a day. But we're dealing with the God who can. A God who can. And so um, that information has gone in one, ear, in one ear, out of one ear. I'm at camp meeting. Don't be the joint one, NEC, SEC. I'm at camp meeting. It's a Tuesday. My phone goes off. Put it to my ear. Put it to my ear. Um, all I hear is, um, um, Sam, have you checked your emails? No. You've got an emergency exam tomorrow. And they can test you on anything you've done in the past four years. You will get a question on your dissertation and anything else within the past four years can come up. I'm talking about a God who can. Not only a God who caused, not only a God who cares, but also a God who can. So in those situations, you need a God who can. Because you can't study four years of information 
in one evening, drive up to, to university from Wales to Kiel. Get to Kiel and something just reminds, some, I don't know how I'm feeling. So I'm going to ask Dr. White. He asked you this question before about grounded theory analysis and you couldn't answer it. Just go and speak to him and ask him, um, what was the answer to that question? So I go to Dr. White. He doesn't even know I'm having a, a viva. He doesn't know I'm having this emergency exam. So I've gone to speak to him, explain to him the situation. He doesn't know who's in the exam because it's external examiners. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know. He just, he goes, if they ask you this question, he goes, this is how you want to answer it. You want to mention these dates, mention these authors, say this, say this, say this, avoid saying this, avoid saying this, avoid saying this. He's told me exactly how to answer that question. As I've walked into the exam room, the first question that I'm asked is the one that Dr. White has told me how to answer. I'm talking about a God who caused, a God who cares, but I'm also talking about a God who can. But I'm realizing as I was deep in the sermon that sometimes I feel like our cans are too small. Like sometimes I'm trying to focus on what God can do for me. But as I've been thinking about this sermon because this isn't the first time I've thought about these or expressed these ideas. As I've thought about it, I've realized that our God, our God, our God can is sometimes focused just a bit too much on peripheral things. Like it's great that God can bring me through an exam, but I believe that God's trying to do more than that. And so in our focus on creator, David speaks to us again. David's saying it's not so much that what God can do for you, even though he can do things for you. It's more than that. Psalm 51 verse 10 says, create, talking about God as creator, in me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Not only is God trying to do things for you, but more importantly, God can do something in you. In you. In you. God caused, God caused. Your life has a why. Your life has meaning. Even when it seems like everything is crashing around you like Job, you still have a purpose. There is still a plan. God caused. Not only that, God cares. God cares, God cares, God cares. Even when I don't understand the circumstance that I'm in, even when, I'm not, it doesn't make sense like Joseph from find myself in a prison cell. I can trust the fact that when I don't understand the circumstance that I'm in, I can trust God's character. And I know that he's cared for me in the past because he sent his son down to die for me and that Jesus Christ ever lives and intercedes for me and that he cares and that he has my best interests at heart. And so I worship God because he caused, I worship God because he cares. And I also worship God because it's not just simply what God can do for me, but I know that God's trying to do something in me. At the beginning of the sermon, I read to us Revelation 4 verse 11, which is a worship scene really. It's a worship scene, it's a worship scene. You've got the 24 elders, you've got the, the four beasts around the throne, you've got angels, and, and they're saying stuff like, holy, holy, holy. And, and in Revelation 4, verse 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, 
and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Um, and, and that's one dimension of the whole thing. Um, but then in Revelation chapter 5, it transitions. It transitions. And the same people in Revelation 5 verse 9, the Bible says, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Here the Bible describes something. It says God is not only worthy because he's creator, but he's also worthy because he's the redeemer. Not only has he done stuff for people, but by God's grace, he's done some stuff in people. In people. Your worship, why? How is important? But don't forget your why. And that God is worthy of worship because of who he is and what he's done for you and what he's doing for you and what he continues to do for you. And that by God's grace, we too can sing this new song. If it's your desire, to start living your life this week in view of the fact that you have a purpose, God caused, God created you, that your life has meaning, and that because of that, I need to live my life with intentionality. And that this week, I wanna live my life in the fact that I was brought into existence because I'm needed. If it's your desire, to live your life in the view of the fact that God cares, that I'm loved, that my life matters, that God loves me with an everlasting love. And that even if it seems as though other people don't care, even if it seems as though to other people, my life doesn't matter, even though I may, may not be loved by, I don't know, I may not be reciprocating the love that I feel like I should be getting, I know that heaven cares. I know that heaven values my life and that my life is important to God. And I want to live my life in view of the fact that God cares. And number three, I want to live my life in view of the fact that God can. And that not only can God can, but that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And so because God can, it means that by God's grace, I can. And that I'm not going to let... Um, just random barriers block me from living out my God-given purpose. That I'm not going to let um, human theories and human beings block what it is that I believe that God's calling me to do. Because God can. And so because God can, he's given me the power by God's grace to live the life that he's calling me to live. But also to remember the fact that not only is God doing things for me, but more importantly, he's doing something in me. And then I want to submit to that process. I'm allowing God to change me. That the creator of the universe can recreate me. If that's your desire. I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads with me. And just to make that commitment where you are. Whether in your room or wherever you are.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, kindness, and mercy. We're so grateful today that we serve a God who cares. We serve a God who calls. And that we serve a God who can. Draw us into a deeper and closer relationship with you. As things heat up, as we live in these last days of earth's history, help us never to take our focus from where the focus should be. Help us always, dear Heavenly Father, to be in a lifestyle and an atmosphere of worship to you and of obedience to you. Please may this be our experience. These things we pray in Jesus' name.